0: Welcome, everyone, to Lessons for Life podcast. I'm Troy Hudkins, here with my guest, Trent Williams. Hello. Phil, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here. So, to start with, who is Trent Williams?
1: <laughs> well, he's a pretty regular guy. But uh, like you said earlier, when we were talking, everybody's got their own story. but. Um I try to be creative and I try to be a a good man and I try and be a good husband and I try and be a good dad. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Who has been your biggest influence in your life? Your mother or your father?
1: Oh man. You know, that's a tough one. Probably, um, my mom in the, on the creativity side of thing, my my mom's, uh, uh, very musically talented and trained. Awesome. And she has a lot of ambition with creating and helping other people create. And, uh, my dad in that just some of those core values that someone could talk about a lot okay but never live <laughs> my dad doesn't talk a lot but he does live it okay so
0: good example to watch yeah he might not say the things but he's
1: always doing yeah the right thing and
0: yeah. and gives you that example yeah
1: there's there's not even the slightest hint of dishonesty anywhere in his soul. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah.
0: So both your parents have been a really big influence on your yeah. life.
1: Yeah. Right they, on. They both have a, a ton of integrity. Excellent. Yeah.
0: So what is integrity to you? What does integrity mean to you?
1: Um, to me, it's, it's, uh, Nobody's perfect with this but it's doing what you say and saying what you do and and kind of having your values and your actions really close. Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice. Awesome. So of all the good traits your mother and father have, so starting with your mother, say of all of her good traits, what is one that you would like to take and pass on to your family, your
1: children. One of the, me and my wife have both talked about this and, and my wife tries to use some of this in her life too. And and I definitely try to is, um, my mom tries to make people feel special. Nice. And not just by talking by actions. Like if it's, if it's somebody's birthday, or if it's Christmas or whatever, my mom will go to no end to make people feel special. Awesome. And uh, we, we've we definitely taken a lot of that and tried to put that into play with our own kids, raising kids. And, you know, when there's times where they should feel special, we try and make them feel really special. Like, like uh, there's just tons of traditions that we've taken from my mom. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. What about your father? So, like, what's the biggest thing he's What, what
0: kind of traits would you traits. take from him? Or what, what is one trait that you would take from him that you would like to pass down to your children?
1: Definitely the honesty. Honesty. Yeah. Um, my, my dad, and he, he didn't come by it um just perfectly naturally or anything like that. I, I think it comes from his dad too. He tells he he tells a story. Uh when we were kids he told us this story. He my dad was uh walking through a field um I think they're out on a farm or in a pasture or something and my dad and my grandpa were walking through a field and um my dad spotted a hammer sitting in the grass and my dad picked it up and he said, look, I got a hammer. And my grandpa, you know, said something to the, something to the tune of, no, you don't. That's not your hammer. What if somebody comes looking for that? Put it on the fence post. So, that always stuck with my dad and, and that story st- stuck with me. Nice. And just, uh, to dig a little deeper into something that goes along with honesty is to never feel entitled to anything. Um, cause if you feel entitled, that's when you can get into those gray areas. Right. Yeah. And I've got into those gray areas. Ego takes over. Yeah. Yeah. Ego takes over. It's like, well, that should be mine. I found it. Right. Or, uh, this situation should be how I want it. So I'm going to tell a little white lie. Right. And, and nobody's perfect at that. And I'm certainly not, but I feel like just, that getting that from my dad has steered me away from trouble a lot. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Awesome.
0: You have family, uh, siblings, you have brothers and sisters. Yeah. I've got three brothers
1: and three sisters.
0: Okay. What kind of impact did your siblings have on your life?
1: Oh man, it was a lot of fun. Um, frustrating, um, family. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I, I feel super lucky the way I grew up because I have an older brother, you know, somebody I could learn from and get cool hand-me-downs and stuff like that. He was a really cool guy. He is a really cool guy. Um, super talented, super hard worker. So, you know, really good example. But also a tough act to follow. He was, yeah. he was an amazing basketball player. Nice. Um, you know, played for team Alberta. Cool. For years, uh, when he was a teenager and, you know, played against Steve Nash and, nice. and, uh, he was an excellent student and he's humble, um, all at the same time. Um, he's one of those guys who are like, does he have any problems? <laughs> <laughs> But he did. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then uh, my younger siblings—it was just so much fun because uh, there's always something going on. Um. Me and my sister, who's just younger than me, we we fought like cats and dogs, but I love her. Um. She's she's a good woman. You know, she she grew up and she embodies a lot of the, the good things that my mom and dad, you know instilled in us. Awesome. <laughs> she's, she's got a lot of integrity too. Um, and then, um, my brother, uh, he's kind of like the middle child, my younger brother, he's, uh, he's just funny Yeah. and c- super creative. He, he got the, all the musical talent in the family. Right on. And except your mom. Yeah. And out of all my siblings, I get along best with him. Um, We just have a blast when we get together. Is that because of the humorous aspect? The humor is huge for both of us. Um, Awesome. We kind of shared a room growing up after my older brother kind of moved out. And so we had a few years together down in the basement room and and it was hilarious. I I loved having a little brother for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I was a bit hard on him at times, but he...
0: He, You're the big brother. He you took, had to be he hard took it
1: like a champ, and he he doesn't seem to hold too much against me for it. So nice. I'm lucky there. Nice. We still have a really good relationship when we get together. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I grew up in a basement room, too. Did you? My two brothers <laughs> and me. And I'm the youngest, so I, I got all the... In there, hey? Oh, yeah. We, we got lots of times <laughs> yeah. when Dad
1: would come downstairs, tell us to settle down yeah. and go to sleep. Yeah. There's a few, definitely yeah. a few holes in the drywall from us, for sure.
0: Yeah. We we had sheets hanging up between our <laughs> beds because we had concrete walls. Yeah, good. We didn't have a built basement at that time. So. Good
1: for basement sports. <laughs> yeah.
0: There was a lot of that that went on.
1: That's a Canadian tradition, basement right. sports. eh? <laughs> basement sports, definitely. <laughs> and, then, and then my younger siblings. Um, they're so much younger than me that it almost seems like there's two families. Okay. They're all amazing, beautiful people. Um, but I was almost like aloof and out of it by the time they're even reaching their teenagers, old enough to yeah. kind of be part of it. Yeah. You so, were already gone. So like, and my youngest brother, um, he is, I think 17 years younger than me. So, okay. So, um, when I was in 11th grade, he was born. So I had a baby brother in 11th grade and I thought that was really cool. Um, and of course, you know, when I have my baby brother around, of course the, the, the teenage girls love that too. So, oh, yeah, so you <laughs> but, thought that was cool to take him out with yeah. you. <laughs> um, I started dating my wife in junior high school. Okay, And of course it was soap opera, you know, up and down throughout high school. You're just dumb kids. Right. But, um, so she actually, um, feels like he's her little brother too. Cause nice. I was already dating her when he was born. Nice. So, so she's known that from day one. Yeah. Yeah. My younger siblings, she views uh, as her siblings as well. Almost. That's awesome. You know, we were mostly grown when they were all little nice so
0: with such an age gap between you and your younger siblings what what do you think you could take from your younger siblings
1: and learn from one of the things that i that i think about a lot is um just my parents um raised us and treated us older siblings a lot different than the younger ones. And you can see what works and what doesn't. Right. And you can see where maybe I need to mellow out on certain things and where (laughs) maybe I, maybe I should still be on top of certain things. So, right. um, Because me and my oldest siblings, it was pretty old school. Like, my parents are gentle, um, but they were definitely a little, little harder on us. Um, they, it was like they were preparing us for life a little bit more, whereas the younger siblings, it seems like they're all almost like friends. And, right. Um, and I think they have a close, really close relationship, but I also think that they – May have missed out on a couple really valuable hard lessons, oh yeah, that could have happened earlier on rather than in adult life okay that's just my opinion
0: though yeah no i I totally agree with you because i I mean we all grew up the same age when my brothers and I and my sister were there, but yeah, but having my own family, there was a ten ten year age gap between all my kids, oh yeah, and then now having grandkids the things I've learned raising my kids and now, you know, raising grandkids or, or being around grandkids all the time, things change. You, you've learned a lot of things and you watch your, your children Mm -hmm. raise their children. You think, well, I wouldn't do that or yeah, that's a great idea or you know what I mean? But, but like you said, your parents learned a lot with you guys. And at the beginning with parents and children, I think, the parents are learning just as much as the kids are well, growing up.
1: I it's a total experiment, especially your first couple of kids. Right? Right? You start
0: to figure it out by the second or third one. With the first
1: kid you're almost like nobody's going to like give me a, a test manual or a manual or like I can just have a kid, right? It's like and and then figure it out. It seems almost dangerous. It's, it kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So you mentioned basketball. Your brother played basketball. Did you play sports growing up?
1: Yeah, I played, I did a lot of things. I, uh, I played, um, basketball, baseball, football, um, really got into skateboarding and snowboarding. Snowboarding is my ultimate love, but nice. Um, basketball was the first thing that I fell in love with. Okay. And, and, by the end of high school it was clear that I had more of a football body. So football became really fun later on. Nice.
0: Nice. So with regards to team sports, what um what kind of impact or what kind of lessons did you learn from team sports, being part of a team and part of a a group?
1: Oh I look at those years as super valuable that way. Um, Just being a part of something with a lot of moving parts, being being a piece of a machine. Um, I was really lucky that I grew up playing on some really strong teams with some really good coaching right from the beginning. Nice. And so that was my norm right from the beginning. Um, having coaches that had really high expectations and teammates actually that had really high expectations um, really brings out the best in you. Awesome. Um, when you have one or two real ringers on your team, it elevates everybody. Cause you see that as the norm and you see that they have no excuses ever and they train harder and they work longer and they, they're more intense about everything and you fall into those patterns with them. Nice. Um, I think I, I, With basketball, um, right away, that the group of kids that I was with, it was like a well oiled machine by the, you know, from the time we were in like sixth, seventh grade. Awesome. We would, we smoked everybody. Like, and it was, and it was just like, like I keep going back to a machine. It was like a machine. Yeah. And it took a lot of the surrounding, Areas the teams um, several years to even come close to catching up to us. Nice. And, and it was because we had, you know, we had a couple of ringers, but we just worked together like, like a team. So I try and apply that to my working life too. And with the daily grind, sometimes it's easy to forget that. yep But, but when things are working like that, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, It's like uh, when you watch live music and you can tell the band is just like grooving together. Totally in sync. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: That is awesome. That's amazing. Which person outside of your family do you think had the largest impact on you?
1: Um, My first real job that I had, um, I worked for the town of Raymond. Okay. And when I first started there, he was kind of a senior man. He was a uh, equipment operator, but he was kind of at the senior end of it. And then later, he would become the he would become like the public works director. Still working? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I thought maybe it kicked out almost.
1: (laughs) Um, So yeah, his name is uh, Phil Libert. And I really liked him right away because he was a hard ass. And he taught me I should have already known how to work because my parents taught us how to work and my dad was a great example of that, but you know, there's something about getting your first job and um, working with other, working with adults when you're a kid, you know, I was 16 and this guy worked us hard. Um, and he, he didn't take any excuses and, but he wasn't cruel or anything like that. He, the biggest reason why I say, him is because he gave me opportunities to grow and move up nice. He just, he didn't keep me on a shovel. You know, he put me in equipment as soon as he could see that I wasn't an idiot and that I could learn things. He put me on machinery, you know, pretty soon I was, you know, on the jumping jack. Nice. Which is like, I always say that it's like wrestling. I really, tough little person all day (laughs) (laughs) all day Yep, those are not easy (laughs) yeah and then you know then he put me on um a packer a roller and then he put me in the bobcat and then he put me on the front end loader um and for a kid i was really hard on myself by the end of high school i kind of had beaten the crap out of my own Um, self-worth, I guess you could say. I did that all myself though. Like I have no idea why looking back I did that to myself, but right. um, He showed me that I could do things by giving me more and more responsibility. And uh, he passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. It's hard.
0: It's hard when that happens. Um, So how
1: important is it, do you think, to have self-worth? Oh man, you know, if you don't, if you don't believe in yourself, you get stuck. And that's, that's kind of what happened to me a little bit in, in high school is you just, it started, for me, it started out with laziness in school. Like I was a pretty decent, I don't know what you're talking about. I've (laughs) never been lazy in school. (laughs) It started I was pretty decent student through junior high and then high school hit. And I just was so distracted by everything else that I wanted to do. And then I got lazy with my studies. And then as my grades kind of dropped, I thought that it was because I was stupid. Oh, okay. And, um, there was nobody telling me I was stupid. There was, you know, my parents were supportive, just Um, kind of in your own mind. Yeah. I let, I let those dark thoughts worm their way in too far. And so by the end of high school, you know, I kind of thought I was an idiot and so the self-worth was gone. And then that allows you to make, you know, more stupid choices if you think you're stupid and you're not worth anything you treat yourself that way right um thoughts become things as they say yeah and and so like i'm lds so after high school a lot of my good friends started going on missions other ones were going to school and i was just here um and, and so i was just like oh well i'm a loser Um, luckily, well, a couple things happened. Um, Jill, my wife, um, girlfriend at the time, um, she, she wasn't going to get, you know, bogged down in the life with a loser. So she, she gave me plenty of chances and everything to be better than I was. But when she graduated from high school, she was a year behind me she went right away to university and she moved away and she broke it off. Um, cause I was not showing promise. <laughs> right. So I had to go way down and feel like I was worth nothing. You know, you get those super dark thoughts and then find out that there was no reason to be at the bottom. Have a few good friends that reach out to you and good parents that, you realize like, I have no reason to be this depressed. Right. And then you slowly start working your way back up. And, and at that same time I was working for the town of Raymond again. And, you know, I was having more positive experiences with that. And, and uh, started getting my life a little more back on track. And then the self-worth comes back. You're like, Hey, I might be able to, do something. I might be able to have a good relationship with somebody. Um, And (laughs) life is funny because it's, as soon as I started feeling better about myself and I actually got to the point where, okay, I lost Jill. She's never going to come back. I think I can survive this. I think I'll be okay. I think I'm smart enough to figure this out. That's when she came back. There you go. Yeah.
0: Opportunity to knock again.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So you mentioned positive attitudes and stuff. How, uh, how critical is it to have positive attitude all the time and have positive experiences in your life?
1: I am, I'm not always the most positive person. So I definitely have seen when I am positive how much better things go. <laughs> yeah. I always talk about myself, I'm a realist, you know. If if something sucks, it sucks. If something's great, it's great. Yeah. Um I think it's important to seek after positivity a lot. If you if you aren't thinking positive, you might not even see the positivity in things. So that's something that I've had to, had to develop over years and years. Um, read some good books. Yeah. 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 I think you, you gotta, you have to put positive in to get positive out. Right. Um, so there's yeah. been times in my, where in my life where I've, consume more positive media, books, um, podcasts, you know, and everything in between. Awesome. And there's a big difference in, in how life goes when you're, when you're thinking positive thoughts.
0: Well, you can't just sit in the corner and, and everything's just gonna no show up and no. be perfect you, you have to go out and create it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make it the best that it can be. You have
1: to make it the best it can be. Exactly. And when things do get crappy, you have to accept it. Yep. But one of the things that I just recently learned, and I think we all learn this at some level along the way, but, um, one critical thing with positive thinking is accepting responsibility for everything that's going on in your life Um, in a positive way. Right. Like um, things might not be your fault, but you still have to accept responsibility for things that even happen to you. Right. Like if I can accept that I was victimized by something or other, then if I accept responsibility for for how I act after that point, you know, how positive can you be? Right. Right. Control your mind. And it's pretty hard sometimes. Try and keep you out of those depressed. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. My wife reads a ton of positivity books and and all about you know, creating positive attitudes and mm-hmm. success and things. And she instills that in me. Yeah. All the time. Constantly. There's the water there beside you if you want on the floor. There. Oh, awesome. I forgot to mention that beforehand.
1: My my wife, she's a optimist. There you go. Naturally. The glass is always half full. Yeah. And we've had a rough few years for a lot of reasons, you know, deaths and uh, family issues and um, being taken advantage of uh, in business and stuff like that. And we kind of had about two years there where it just seemed like we're just getting the crap kicked out of us. And I wasn't always the most positive about it at all. And um, after a while, I saw that me being the way I am a realist, um, but without taking responsibility, I could see it rubbing off on my wife. You know, that innate positivity was getting beat out of her. And, my life and uh and I found that if I can push myself up with positive thinking and the, and the positive attitude it comes right back with her because she's so naturally that way nice so like a huge thing for a marriage that's awesome yeah
0: that's awesome how how important do you think it is to have positive relationships in your life whether it be with a spouse or workmates
1: or even just friends I I don't know even know if I can think of anything more important like your experience in life is mostly relationships right like to me the best parts of life are your relationships awesome. or it should be um, awesome
0: Does't matter what you do, you have a relationship yeah. with someone, yeah like okay. be at work or friends or walking down the street
1: yeah. like i I want to go to work and I want to have a great time and I want to laugh with and I want to have inside jokes with my you know right fellow workers and and I want to come home and i and I want to have a meaningful relationship with my kids and and my wife and um I couldn't think of a bigger failure. If you, if you can't at least reach some degree of that. Nice. Awesome. I think for me, a lot of that is based on humor. Um, When I get comfortable with people, usually I try and make people laugh, but it's when, it's when things get comfortable. (laughs) Right. When
0: people laugh, I think, they relax more. Oh, yeah. And I think when we all laugh, we feel good. Yeah. Right? The more the more you laugh, the better you feel kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So when you can crack a joke or have a, a little fun with somebody and you both laugh about it, I think it really makes you comfortable with each other. Yeah. And it makes everybody happier. Yeah. And it definitely makes the day go better.
1: Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> you get through the you get through the crappy times that we all experience a little bit more smoothly. If you can have a little bit of humor, maybe a little sarcasm. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Do you, do you find with, so you mentioned your kids and stuff and you like to have fun with them. And I know you go snowboarding with your kids and, yeah. and stuff. So you've played team sports now with snowboarding and stuff. Have you ever done that competitively?
1: Um. No. No. Um, the only thing competitive about that is just, um, well, you, you want to do better than you did last time. You, know? nice. you want to learn certain tricks. It's a really different way of competing. You're competing against yourself. And if you have a good crew of guys or, or a group of people that you go out with, there's usually develops a little bit of like unspoken competition a little camaraderie yeah for yeah. sure like uh there's a couple really good snowboarders that i used to go with uh you know just after high school and these guys are both really good but they were just like outwardly competitive with each other <laughs> <laughs> so with those individual sports you can definitely still get competitive, yeah. Um, yeah even if you're not actually in the competitive scene, you know, doing contests.
0: Right. So how important is it for you? Not necessarily just in snowboarding or skateboarding, but how important is it for you to do better than you did last time?
1: That's a big thing in snowboarding and skateboarding. Uh, they, They always referred to it as progression and Um, obviously as you get older, your progression doesn't dwindles. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So you look for different things, but when you're learning those sports progression is everything. Um, learning one trick leads to the next trick. Um, getting comfortable going off a jump that size leads to getting comfortable going off a jump that's a little bigger or a cliff or, um, So progression is everything in those sports and if you watched uh, like snowboarding or skateboarding footage from say the early 90s and uh, like professionals right and you watch professionals from now you can see the progression like oh yeah it's massive it's it's come a long long way you know more more so than most sports. Um, you can see the progression.
0: Well, even remember the first time they did a flip on a skidoo. Yes. Snowmobile. Yeah. And now they're getting into doing front flips. Yeah. Right. Like that's the progression, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast with my wife earlier today and the guy talked about the four minute mile. Yeah. And everybody said, no, it can't be done. Can't be done. But as soon as they broke it, everybody was doing it Yeah. because you can Gives you permission. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. G- gain that permission, gain that progression.
1: Yeah. And the, the kids <laughs> watching snowboarding now, they're like wanting to be a professional snowboarder or just in love with the sport. What they're watching now that they think is normal wasn't even dreamt of 15 years ago, 20 right. years ago, 30 years ago. Right. Um, and oddly enough, like video games have played into that too.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because on a video game, you can do anything. Yeah. So if we can do it on the video game, we should be able to do it out on the street. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which (laughs) is ridiculous, but it, for some reason, has made an impact.
0: That's how it happens. Yeah, definitely. Uh, What is your biggest fear?
1: (sighs) Probably losing my wife and kids. Whether breakdown of relationship or losing them to an accident or something. Okay. For sure. Family. Yeah. Family is very important. What
0: is your biggest motivator?
1: (sighs) Probably responsibility. Um, if you're talking about the core part of life, for sure, responsibility Um, and being someone that can be given responsibility and, and relied on for sure. Okay. And then for, I almost look at my life in three parts. There's the family, the responsibility, the work, you know, that's one part. And then uh, there's the creative part. And then there's the fun part, like the, the selfish fun. Nice. Like there's lots of fun within the family part and the work part, but, um, like I do still do a lot of snowboarding and skateboarding and nice. And so that's kind of like the selfish fun. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's awesome. So yeah, the, 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 the most important parts of life, I, I feel like it's, you know, responsibility. And I've always, I think for my dad, I've always thought of being responsible as a way of uh, showing your family love.
0: Okay. Yep. So yeah, that plays a big part in it. Mm-hmm. What is your why? My why? Clarify that for me no that's your perception of <laughs> of how you want to take it
1: that's a tough one my my why is I really have a deep desire to like create um, and that can mean so many things, right yeah yeah I feel like I'm most most happy when I when I feel like I'm creating um, whether it's you know with with art I paint a lot, um, okay with art or creating a better life for, for my family, or, you know, um, being creative within my job as a dental hygienist um, is important to me too. Although that's probably a little harder for people to understand. How could you be creative when you're cleaning teeth? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just do it differently.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to figure out, How to do that better is you got to get creative sometimes um there's some really challenging patients and uh with really serious problems whether they're dental problems or any other type of health problem or mental problem um you got to get really creative to serve those people nice
0: okay um you're you said you're a dental hygienist what importance does education have in your life
1: i wish i would have realized how important it was a lot earlier um i went back to dental hygiene school after working like mostly like labor jobs and and kind of unskilled work um went back to school when I was 27 already had three kids. Okay. That makes it tough. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade my kids or my wife or my relationships for anything. But, um, if I would have gone to school and got my career going eight or 10 years earlier, um, our financial situation would have been way better um and, and done that yeah and <laughs> and th- that's education you know i i basically like dental hygiene i did 1 year of prerequisites and less than 2 years in school in dental hygiene school um so about three years of, of schooling. And I, um, probably more than, more than quadrupled my income. Okay. Which big deal, you know, money's just money, but what it, what it helped do was it helped my wife to, um, be able to do more at home. Nice. She still works hard. She'll, she, she has a work ethic like crazy. Um, but, you know, it helped us get our first house. It helped us put nice clothes on our kids, feed them good food, you know, perfect. They go to school and they're clean and they look good and you can't do a lot of that stuff without money. Right, right, and even
0: though you make do, yeah, it makes it easier.
1: Yeah, Um, paying for all the sports and everything that the kids do, and we wouldn't be going snowboarding. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be going snowboarding if we, if I was still making what I was making back then. You know, Um, so the education changed everything for us. Nice. I am very lucky that my wife was smart enough to go to university right after high school yeah you know she's she's she was an excellent student she could have done anything um, school-wise and but she got out there and got it done quick and awesome she's a court reporter and she's been doing that for 20 years nice yeah
0: so education is important absolutely so what do you think carries more more importance classroom or life lessons
1: I think you got to have a little of both. Um, we've all met the highly educated idiot. Right. Um, they're
0: really smart, but doesn't know nothing.
1: Yeah, about they're as useless as a sack of hammers, right? Like, you got to have someone. The most powerful people are the ones that have a ton of knowledge but they can deal with people, right? Those are the most effective people in the world. Right. You know, and and you don't learn to deal with people in school, you know, maybe a little bit, but you don't have to. Correct. You have, you have the opportunity to, (laughs) but you don't have to, you can be, you know, a crazy savant and get through school and get straight A's. Without ever talking to hardly anybody, but there's, you're surrounded by people in school. Like I, when I got into dental hygiene school in South Texas, it was me, a couple other uh, white guys and like 35 uh, Mexican American girls. So I could have just buried my head and just got through school. But instead, you know, we all interacted and I learned a lot from those people. And some of it, I learned what to do. And some of it, I learned what I definitely didn't want to do. Right. (laughs) And I learned, you know, I got a a bit of a taste of uh, a different culture. Um, And if I would have been one of those people that wasn't looking for life lessons, you know, I, I wouldn't have ever experienced how cool it was to be down in a a different, very different culture.
0: Right. Right. So, um, forgot the question I was going to (laughs) ask. Um, so spending the time in school and associating with other people and learning. Yeah. How do you know when you know?
1: I think it shows when you're in tougher social situations and you can navigate through them. Um, Or, you, you know, you can see when somebody has got those life lessons, when they can get into a situation that's very difficult. Say somebody some other person is being very difficult in whatever way you can think of. And that person can navigate through that situation peacefully and creatively um, and makes the situation better. And that could be something as simple as just an awkward encounter, or that can be as, as complex as a violent encounter. And you can't do that without life lessons.
0: Right. Okay. Who is your biggest idol? Who do you who do you look at and say, "I want to be like them," or "I want to I want to do what they've done," or "I want to you know have the same kind of experiences that they've had."
1: Mm-hmm. There's a pro snowboarder. Um, his name is. Brian Aguchi, And he, he's, he's a little bit older than me. Um, I think mid 40s. I'm 41. And I think he's four or five years older than me. So he, he came into snowboarding, professional snowboarding really early. And um, he got caught up in the competition side of it and and the style side of it and everything and and he was one of the top pros for several years nice um and just as his career was peaking um he decided to do what he wanted to do not what everyone was telling him to do yeah so the professional snowboarding culture and industry was centered in California, you know, Lake Tahoe and everything like that. And this was before the internet. So if something was centered there, it was centered there. Right. Um, it wasn't so connected like everything is now. Right. right? This was early nineties. So he moved to Jackson hole, Wyoming, where the heck is that? Right. So he, he, he basically took himself off the map and um because he wanted to ride big mountains, he wanted to be at peace, he wanted to create art. He's a he's an amazing artist. And so he moved out there, you know, he started a family. Um all his professional sponsors dropped him. He he was sponsored by Burton, which is the biggest snowboard company in nice. the world, you know. He had it made and he followed you know, what he wanted to do and what was important to him. And, you know, he had integrity. He still wanted to snowboard every day. So he worked really hard, regular jobs in Jackson Hole and still snowboarded all the time. Nice. He started learning about backcountry snow safety, which that's inspiring, inspiring to me too. You know, it's a science. So you take this punk pro snowboarder skateboarder he was actually a pro skateboarder before he was a pro snowboarder nice in california southern california and then he took himself all the way to being a super highly educated backcountry safety person um and as the industry shifted um and social media came about and everything um all of a sudden he's totally relevant again He's top of the map again. Yeah. He he's like he's like the legend of legends within the sport, right? And and he's got sponsors again and everything. Just cause he just stayed the course on what he felt was important. Nice. And yeah, I just he's he's my idol. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. That's and awesome he, I've met him a few times and he is the most humble, soft spoken guy you could ever meet.
0: So when you've met him, have you told him I want to do the things you've done?
1: I, did you say I'm
0: your biggest fan? Yeah. I I tried my hand. I tried not to fan out.
1: (laughs) I tried not to fan out too hard, but I've been really lucky to have, you know, a few conversations with him. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely told him how much I appreciate what he's done. And, and, uh, he's inspired you yeah definitely and and i even more so than snowboarding i got to talk to him for a couple minutes about art nice he's he's yeah. an amazing painter and and so that was that was super special to me you know they they always say you know be careful about meeting your heroes yeah but it doesn't apply to him you know you like him even more he's nice he's one of the best people out there and now he's raising a couple kids and awesome. Yeah. Good example. Yeah. Super good example.
0: How, what does your, what does your art do for you? What do you, why do you do your art?
1: Um, It, I started noticing um, really early on that I could make an image better than most kids. Nice. Um, In grade one, we did self-portraits, and I looked up and because the teacher put them all up there, and and mine was the best. And so right away, I was like, (sighs) yeah. (laughs) they weren't good. No, but they (laughs) weren't stick men. Grade one, (laughs) mine, mine was a little bit better, you know? And, and so for me, that was always something that I could fall back on to, to feel good about myself a little bit, you know, like I have this thing. Nice. You know, and my mom was very quick to, um, point out that, you know, we all have talents, And some people's are harder to see, but, you know, she let me know that I was lucky because there's your talent right there. Nice. And so she supported me, you know, with that. She always, you know, if I ever wanted any art supplies, it was like, didn't matter what it was. She would get it for me. We'll figure out how to make it work. Yeah. You know, she put me in, in some, art lessons with an amazing artist uh southern alberta artist uh mark hall and uh you know it, and it was just a few weeks but it made all the difference and but it satisfies that need to be creative like more directly than i think anything is nice. for me
0: do you create stuff and sell it or do you just create stuff
1: for yourself i do a bit of both okay. um i i have done several commissions like where someone calls me up or or contacts me and says, will you do this for me? Um, I don't... I've done like a little bit of like almost stepping towards commercial art. I don't like doing that. Nice. Yeah. I I like doing stuff that I want to do. Um, Like for example um, I did a couple of goalie masks. Oh, nice. Custom painted goalie masks. And there was a couple that I did that I really quite enjoyed. Um, because the one kid he wanted, his mask turned into a dragon's face. Nice. And the other kid, he, he wanted, um, snakes on the side of his, you know, cobras awesome yeah and so that was really fun and then after I put those on social media I had several people call me and ask me can you put my can you put my business's logo on my motorcycle helmet yeah no and and, (laughs) yeah that doesn't do it for me at all yeah yeah that gets too commercial yeah and it's like I don't want to be doing this at all this is something that I love um and those
0: goalie masks must have been a good challenge, eh? Yeah, they're a really good challenge. That's awesome. But
1: a lot of what I like doing has to do with the mountains.
0: Nice. Yeah. Do you do you do mountains with snowboarders?
1: There, people are not usually present in my paintings, but uh, I do. But you dream about snowboarding the mm-hmm. mountain you just did, right? When I'm out snowboarding, and I do a lot of backcountry snowboarding, Yeah. so you climb to the top on your own feet and you get one or two good runs in a day but they're the best runs you've ever had oh yeah and fresh powder yeah untouched but because you're moving so slowly through the terrain you can take a lot of pictures and you see stuff that you would never see and so I paint from some of those pictures that's awesome yeah that's awesome so and the, the way that I like to harness that creative feeling is I I don't try and make them perfectly realistic. I try and make them um, look how it felt to be there, not look exactly how it would look in the picture. Right. So some people will call them like slightly abstracted. Okay. I usually take out some detail and I pump up the color and nice. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just that creative fuel. And the more I do it, the more creative I feel and the more creative I want to be. So nice. it's, it's uh, if there's anything that makes me feel really good, it's finishing a painting that I feel has been a success.
0: Nice. Nice. So that's kind of your your mellow place, your, your Mm -hmm. own space. Yeah. Do you do any other sort of meditation or yoga or self healing or anything like that other than your art? Um,
1: music actually to, to me listening to music, I am a connoisseur of certain types of music and, um, that, it's a big part of my art too. Um, But being someone who's always had a little bit of a commute, um, music is my wind up and my wind down. Nice. Um, And probably I'll have hearing damage because of it, but it's like music I consume like high-end food. You know what I mean? Like some people, there's nothing better in life than really good food. Yeah. Music is like that for me too. It feeds me. Love the good music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's me. I love music. I could listen to it all day long. Yeah. And sometimes the louder, the better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. What would you uh, suggest for other people for kind of a self-healing type of
1: thing. I think you need to find something where you feel like you've been creative. Like my wife is extremely intelligent and talented and, and creative, but um, she's been frustrated at times because she hasn't found that thing where it's clear that it's her her thing yeah um she's impatient with the process <laughs> if she's not good at it the first time she's good at plenty of things the first time but if she's not good at it the first time sometimes she won't give the chance um but you have i i think you have to find something a creative outlet um I feel like after you've taken care of all the basics, basic needs of life, then boom, all of a sudden you're at this point where you're like, okay, now we can add meaning to life with the creative, creativity. Nice. Nice.
0: What do you think inspired you to choose the career you're in now?
1: Well, part of it was probably a little bit of luck. Um, I needed to, at that point in our life, you know, we are just expecting our third kid and had to find something that I wouldn't have to be in school forever for that would, you know, definitely up, up our income. In a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, My older brother's a dentist. Okay. Um, And he, you know, watching him have success and stuff was inspiring for sure. And I knew that I, at that point in my life, it would have been really hard to go back to school for like six years because that's what it takes to be a dentist like minimum six years. And, but I, you know, I knew that that was a good scene, the dental world, you know, you get to work inside in the winter. You're working around people that are relatively in control of themselves. Right. Um, You're not working around a lot of drugs or pornography or, you know, the influences in a dental officer, typically positive, you know, you work a little bit down in the
0: mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was part of it. just looked like a good scene. Yeah. And good atmosphere. I, yeah. And, um, even through, through high school when I wasn't being a very good student, I still did well in science nice. and, and, and enjoyed science and so the the education part of dental hygiene is all science right on um, every class you take has ology on the end of it <laughs> and you know what i enjoyed every class yeah so right on that's that awesome. was that's the that's where the luck came in i got into it head first i just dove in head first and i ended up actually loving school nice so,
0: that's awesome if you could do anything else in your life without the possibility of failure, what would you choose?
1: If I had known that you could have a career on the, in the mountains with snow science, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Going back to the whole snowboarding thing. And yeah, that's, Being out in nature is amazing to begin with. Yeah. We get deer walking through our front yard all the time. In fact, three or four hours before you got here, we had a couple walk by the window and I saw (laughs) them jumped up quickly with my wife and we went over and they sit in our front yard and eat the berries off the tree. Oh, do they?
1: They found your... And my granddaughter was
0: up there and we were watching them for about 45 minutes. They were just, there were six of them out there. And it's just amazing. And, And to me, that's nature right in town. Yeah. But... Yeah, being in nature is awesome. There's a calming presence about it. Absolutely, and kind of going
1: back to one of your earlier questions, you know, we're talking about how, you know, some people meditate or whatever. Um, I do my art. I listen to music. Um, being out in nature on the side of a snowy mountain—that's like spiritual to me.
0: It gives you time to self-reflect. Yeah, and you know, go through your own life and your own mind and, and organize everything. And yeah, you know, definitely gives you that time to meditate, even if you don't think you're really meditating. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I, uh, this is, could be controversial within my religion, but I actually have the most, I feel the most spiritual when I'm on the side of a snowy mountain in the wind. Nice. Um, Taking pictures and I feel closest to God. Yeah. During those times. Um, And way more so than sitting on an uncomfortable chair in church. Yeah. Like I still try to do that. Um, (laughs) I'm not perfect there, but I still try to do that. I go to church and, Um, but that's not my spiritual place. Um, and I've had to become comfortable with that about myself. Um, because some people go to church and they're, you know, they feel spiritual. They feel, they feel God's love. Right. And they feel camaraderie with people and, and that's where they get their spirituality from, like from the gospel proper. Right. Whereas right. I've had to accept in myself that I might get it a little differently. Right.
0: And I think, I mean, there are people that go to church because that is where they feel the most spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of people go to church cause that's what you do. Yeah the responsibility or the, yeah. Yeah. And uh, granted you go to church and you have that camaraderie, if you will, or that sense of group or family, you know, everybody that's got the same values, same morals, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I think all of us individually, I'm kind of like you, I feel, I feel more at peace when I'm out in nature you know, you have that wind blowing through your hair. I love to be with my family. Yeah. And if we're together out enjoying time at the park or whatever, to me, that is a very good place to be.
1: Yeah. I agree. You know? Yeah.
0: And and it's amazing.
1: I, I, I'm jealous in some ways that some people can just simply go to church and they feel like spiritually all of a sudden everything's awesome. Um, but also I'm really glad that that has pushed me into the mountains and into the wilderness more than it maybe it would have. And I went through a period of time early in adult life where I got to do that a little bit less. So I felt what it's like to not do that very often. Yeah. And then the last um, 10, yeah, about the last 10 years, since I came back from dental hygiene school, I've done it more and more and uh what a difference
0: do you find you um how do i want to say that do you find you respect it more or you um i respect it probably isn't the right word but do you find that you take it more to heart that you get to do that than the times that you get to do it
1: oh yeah yeah i feel like the luckiest person ever every time i get to go do it awesome yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. Me and my, my, uh, super close friends that I go do this with, um, it, they all say the same thing after like how, how lucky are we, where we live. Right. You know, that we, that we can just drive an hour and we're in these beautiful mountains. Um, and that we have the freedom to do this, you know, like awesome. And you know, just it's special.
0: It's amazing. What is one thing in your life that you've accomplished so far that you're most proud of?
1: I think um, the people that my kids are growing up to be so far. Nice. Yeah, And I like to think that I at least have a small hand in that.
0: Mostly the wife, but you, two. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's it, what I always say. My it, wife did the most. Yeah. It's no, absolutely no doubt. But if I have any part in who my kids are becoming and who they already are, you know, I'm most proud of that.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome. What is something that you've done that you wish you could go back and change?
1: You know, some people say, oh, no regrets. Me being that realist type, they're like, oh, I have plenty of regrets. And it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to have regrets. Um, as long as they don't let, you don't let them drag you down. Okay. But, oh man, that's a tough one. There's probably a couple that I won't share, but... Um, You know, early on in, uh, in my relationship with my wife, um, I wish I would have treated her better, you know, been less selfish and more sensitive. That's nice. kind of a, a general, a really generalized, uh, answer. Nice. Um, I don't want people to take that the wrong way though. Like a uh, i've always been faithful to her i just haven't been really nice yeah you know, i was
0: well i think just just like we i was saying earlier about you know parents starting to raise kids i think when you get in a relationship we both have to learn as well mm-hmm. right and i think as men we're probably more selfish
1: it seems that way and
0: yeah the women are right yeah. so i think we could all kind of probably relate to what you're saying without getting into it, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: What's one thing in your past that has given you your greatest life lesson so far?
1: You know, I I think I'm going to go right back to what we were just talking about. Um, having a marriage that was rough at times and we all have ups and downs Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go anywhere either like we're still going to have ups and downs but being a jerk at least to some level for so many for for so many years and then getting to the point where a big turning point was when I decided to be grateful for, you know, what she is and what she does for me. Was that the end of all of our problems? No. But that was a huge turning point where you could see, okay, this could actually work. <laughs> As if, I've, if I have a deep appreciation for who she is, what she does. Nice. And you know what she will do, and so just l- the turning point of like the life lesson was learning to how much better your life can be if you're better to others. I guess that's right, kind of the basic of it.
0: Right, nice. What is your idea of perfect happiness?
1: I think peace in the home, and fulfillment in work and hobbies. Nice, awesome. Yeah,
0: they all play a big part, and they all kind of come together to make us who we are. Yeah, don't they? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, if you could write a letter to your younger self, what age would it be, and what would you, what advice
1: would you give? I'd probably somewhere around ninth or tenth grade, you know fourteen fifteen i would I would definitely write a letter um, if there was some way that I could convince myself that you know I could do a lot more than I think I could have done, you know? Um, Yeah.
0: Work harder. Work harder. Maybe, you know, it'll all be okay.
1: Yeah. Work harder. Um, If I could give my younger self a glimpse of what I could actually do, then I would have had a good head start on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. you
0: know, would you, would you change anything from your past? Like, I mean, all, all the things we've gone through make us who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, all, all your mistakes, you learn from them, you become a better person, all the good things you've done, you know, make your life go better. And and make you who you are, but would you go back and change anything? Like if you did change it, who would you be
1: now? Yeah. I, I've talked about this before with people and I always say I would only change, I could only go back and change something if I knew I'd still have all the relationships that I do now. Right. Um, good call. Like I, I went to uh, fine art school for a year and early on, like I was like right after we got married 20 years ago and really long story short, nine 11 happened and it derailed my, my chance to, I was accepted to an animation program down on the West coast. Nice. I was going to be a, it was at the dawn of digital animation. I was going to be a digital animator. And then nine 11 happened and uh, my wife couldn't get a visa. Cause I have my American citizenship. She doesn't. So I think about that all the time regarding this question like, what if I could go back and do that? what would it change? And the answer is it would change absolutely everything. So, right. Um, it's like that butterfly effect, right you know that people talk about it. That's such a deep question, right?
0: It is. It is. and And so, definitely if you did make one change, as long as you still had all those relationships, maybe everything would be fine, but There's literally no, yeah,
1: yeah, there was literally no chance that I would have all these relationships though. No. Because that's a perfect example because if you're in the entertainment industry, you're on the West coast. So I'd be somewhere between Vancouver and San Diego. Right. Um, it's cost a fortune to live on the West coast. I'd probably have one or two kids rather than five. Um, my kids wouldn't know their grandparents, you know? Right. So would I change anything? I guess the answer has to be no. Right.
0: Right. It definitely is, is something that you really got to look at and think about, right?
1: Even if you go back and think about the most terrible thing that happened to you, um, and you really look at it, would you go change that? Because if you learned anything from it would what would the next step in life be? you know what, right would you been able to handle the next problem right? would you been able to handle uh would you been able to help someone else with a problem if right? You hadn't lived through that so
0: right if you could have lunch and a chat with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh
1: man. It's a great question. There's some obvious ones. <laughs> um, well, what one would stand out for you? Well, obviously Jesus Christ.
0: You definitely get some good insight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: But let's, let's tone it back a little bit. Maybe. Um, That's a tough one. You know, actually my, my dad's dad, my, my grandpa Jay, who was a, World War II veteran. Um, He died when I was six months old, I think somewhere around there. I would have loved to have a good conversation with him. Um, And I don't think he spoke much. So, you know, um, that might have been tougher than you think, but, but yeah, I would love to To have a long chat with him. Gain some life experience from that one. Yeah. yeah, Definitely. That's assuming that he'd open up.
0: (laughs) But, you know, like the question says, you know, if you could chat with them and they'd be willing to chat back, then, you know, that'd definitely be a a chat to have, right? Yeah. If you were stranded on a desert island and the device you had only play one song over and over and over and over nonstop what would it be for you Hmm.
1: that would kill me but (laughs) because being a connoisseur of music you like variety right right but uh my my favorite song for many years has been Everlong by Foo Fighters. Cool. Yeah.
0: Right on. And you'd be okay with it playing over and over? <sighs>
1: yeah. I wouldn't be okay with any song playing over and over, but if it but had to be one. <laughs> that'd
0: be it? Yeah. Okay, so final question. Um, if you went through your life, learned everything you ever possibly could learn, accomplished all your goals and dreams without failure, um, had the greatest experiences all through your life. And when you pass on, you have to take everything with you. Nobody on this earth would know who Trent Williams is, but you could leave behind three lessons for life. What would they be?
1: trying to think of this like what do i try and what are the lessons i try and teach my kids because that's probably a good place to start like what do you want your kids to learn from you and and definitely the first one that comes to mind you said three right three yeah (laughs) is Live a life of integrity for sure. That's Thanks. that's probably the most important. I try and teach my kids that, you know. You're you're honest with people, and nice. part of that is, if someone gives you something to do, you do the best job you can. Um, you know, or don't even do it. Right. You know. So my kids have actually. They're great that way. Awesome. And so that's one that I'd love to leave behind is just approaching everything with at least a certain level of integrity and then find a way to be creative because that's what's brought me the most joy in life, like outside of like relationships. Nice and make sure that the people around you uh that you care for make sure that they know that you love nice
0: nice awesome that's amazing yeah live your life with integrity. What was the second one? Be creative. I forgot already. Find a way to be creative. (laughs) Be creative, yeah. Yeah. Live a life with integrity. Be creative and show those close to you that you love them. Yeah. That's amazing. That is awesome. I appreciate your time, Trent. and Thank you you for all the good insight and information. I hope people watching and listening can – take some of your life lessons and put them to use in their lives, you know, and hopefully we've made a difference in someone's life today. You know, that's,
1: and if they're bored, that's okay too. (laughs) Listening to me drone on, they can turn on Foo Fighters. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Again, thank you very much for coming. This is Trent Williams and I'm Troy Hudkins. Thank you for joining us for Lessons for Life. Thank you. Tune in for another podcast in the future.
1: Thank you.